0: Cutting edge conversations with the quant community. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Quantcast. Mauro Cesar here speaking. Today I have the great pleasure of talking to Hans Bühler, Global Head of Equity Analytics, Automation and Optimization at J.P. Morgan. And obviously recently named Quant of the Year for uh, his work on deep hedging by RISD.net. Hans, First of all, congratulations for the award and
1: thanks for taking the time to visit us in our studio. Thank you so much, Mauro. Uh, the award is a real pleasure and it's a real honor. Thank you so much. Uh, it would have not been possible without the help of my partners in academia and the many colleagues at JP Morgan who have supported this journey from the beginning.
0: Great. Um, over the past three years, Risdonet has been covering the application of deep learning in finance, and as part of this, we have been covering what is now well known as uh, deep hedging, an approach that you developed over several years, collaborating, as you said, with a number of colleagues and academics. Um, The award uh, was, of course, the recognition of this work, and not just that work in general, but its most recent developments, such as the use of signature-based methods to generate synthetic data that you published last year with us. Um, in this Quantcast, uh, quantcast we, we uh, are going to focus on uh, uh, the latest of these developments, which is, uh, if I can ju- just describe it in a few words, uh, the removal of the drift from the training data sets, or in other words, a technique to make sure that uh, neural networks don't learn and act as, as if a given market had directionality. Now, the paper is online. Uh, on RISK.net and uh, it is in print in the March issue of RISK. And uh, we'll come back to why removing the drift is important in a minute. But first, Hans, could you give us uh, a brief overview of what deep hedging and its earlier version, statistical hedging,
1: are? Absolutely. I think it's easiest to start with statistical hedging. Statistical hedging in many ways is what is Markowitz optimization for derivatives. So the trick here really is to be very conscious about how do you compute returns of derivative which decay over time and whose moneyness will change if you're not careful with it. Once you've done that, the idea is fundamentally to regress the returns of a portfolio against the returns of the hedging instruments. Of course, because of the high linearity of of derivatives, Outright regression often isn't the right answer, so we have slightly more complex methods, but that's the core of the idea. Now, when you do that, you need the returns of the instruments and you need to compute their PL based on their fair value. We are doing that still with, if you want, the classic models for the derivatives, which do not have their own mark to market. So, statistical hedging gives you what the traders do every day. They give you a trading strategy which statistically Optimizes the PNL of a trading desk every day, where the fair value is given by the classic derivative models. So it ignores the risks.
0: And could you tell us what these techniques are used for? So, what products?
1: So, at the moment, we're using that for, uh, in particular, index vanilla products. So, a large part of our Eurostox options book is priced with that today. And we are expanding rapidly the use of that product for SP options as well. The idea is to kind of roll this out across the board. So uh, this year, um, we are planning to apply it to single stocks as well.
0: Okay, as we reported, um, this is used also for clicker options. And um, why is uh, deep hedging suitable for that class of products?
1: So deep hedging is basically going further, right? So in statistical hedging, you basically regress the PL of mm-hmm. something you know. Deep hedging is much, if you want more ambitious, It's basically saying, let's simulate an entire market of all the hedging instruments, mm-hmm. simulate a lot of paths and then try to find a hedging strategy based on the path, which optimizes some objective. So, for example, mean variance. So that is applicable if, if you don't quite, if the fair value of the models you use otherwise isn't quite as reliable. So we use statistical hedging for Mm -hmm. vanilla options and simple stuff where we actually very high certainty the price so vanilla is listed clicky options we have used because clicky options are on the other end of the spectrum so Mm -hmm. there i would say there isn't a really agreed general pricing model published just yet Mm -hmm. in the classic sense so it's a good candidate to say okay if we humans couldn't manage quite yet how about we ask a machine mm-hmm. to find effectively an optimal hedging strategy for such a rather exotic product
0: so the reason is that is an is a complex product that other models would will, will have sort of a struggle to to price and hedge properly um, which leads to to the next point so we have been talking to other banks who are uh, they are considering approaches similar to deep hedging and some were telling us that if they had to deploy a technique of this sort, they will probably go for uh, the product that has more volume. So there were mentions of uh, autocollables, for example, in the exotic space. Um, You went for another direction, obviously. Is it because you wanted to solve the complexity issue rather than uh, the volume?
1: I think both are, um, you know, reasonable approaches. In fact, deep paging was initially built for autocollables. We just realized that effectively the the opportunity from a business point is higher for clickies. I am rather hopeful that it will also work rather well for auto-call options.
0: Okay. And do you see in your path, um, either research-wise or for
1: for production, next products, what is the next product that you're going to embark? So we expand the clicky population and I think Mm -hmm. auto-callable is a likely next target.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. And uh, OK, let's move to the, uh, the paper on the drift removal. What is the issue that the paper addresses and what are the consequences of ignoring that issue?
1: So if you think about it, if you simulate the market and uh, let's say you use the market data up to December, the S&P tended to go to up. Mm-hmm. So that means if you ask a machine, can you build me a trading, um, a, a trading strategy? For an empty portfolio, so no clicky, no autocallable, it will actually do something. It will it will start selling puts and buying delta. In fact, we see this. It it re- works remarkably well. And and the problem with that is that the mean drift is a residual of the estimation error we have from using the input data. Mm-hmm. So we're using let's say ten years of data. If you think this is daily data, that's not that much. So. What I think you would rather want is to split the idea of, if you want, taking a position from the original mandate, which is hedging risk. So the idea is here, let's remove the drift and focus on hedging risk. This is very similar to what happens in cash. So in cash, we use Markowitz optimization often to manage risk. And there we tend to also remove the, if you want, naive statistical drift from a portfolio. We then, you know, employ people to come up with alpha signals and so on in order to do that, to model the drift, but the inherent statistical drift is also removed. Essentially, we propose a method to do this in a hyper dimensional space with options which all interdepend from each other.
0: I see. And how is this solution you're proposing? Uh, how does that, how does it work?
1: Mm, it's uh, if you want, in a in a, in a a classic sense, it's a kind of Gazanov transformation, so it's It's a discrete version where you say, OK, I'm going to take a strategy of the optimal strategy of making money Mm -hmm. and I will then change my measure to make those strategies no longer make any money. Now it's a no paper, but fundamentally the idea is you take the derivative of the utility and that's your measure change and it then works. And I think it's a rather remarkable, also systematically beautiful results because the problem is a bit, there's a lot of measures without drift. This one has an interpretation of being the closest in the divergent sense of the utility.
0: And does it work with any instruments and models? Is it applicable to any, any model or uh, products?
1: So, yeah, it should work across the board. In fact, it should work with uh, various currencies, FX and so on. We have only used it for equity, um, but there's no structural reason why it wouldn't.
0: Okay, and how about the uh, neural networks that are employed? So, um, in the paper you mentioned that you um, uh, you apply this to GANs, uh, generative adversarial networks, and uh, uh, variational autoencoders. Mm-hmm. Um, would it work with signatures, for example?
1: <laughs> so that GAN model yeah. uses signatures for its internal dynamics. Right. Okay. So, it, in fact, it does. Yes, it does.
0: All right. <laughs> okay. Very good. Um, so before devising this solution, I suppose the, the drift issue was already existing. Uh, was it addressed in any different way? Or did you have something similar to this in place already?
1: So most people will, by default, minimize variance. So instead of trying to um, solve for a utility type approach, you would maybe minimize the variance of your portfolio. Now that will work, in sense, first order rather well. The drawback of that is that, uh, well, it does that. It basically will not take advantage of any other structural reasons why, for example, it won't overhedge. It will basically mm-hmm. value losses and gains symmetrically. So if that is a good first step. But in order to go- come be- beyond that point, I think it's important to do something more clever, and that method we're proposing is doing that.
0: I see. And so how do you reconcile the prices that you uh, receive, you get out of the deep hedging engine with, the classic model that you use for reporting, for risk measures uh, within the bank. Do you actually need those prices to
1: align? We don't need them to align. In a sense, we give the trading desk a new trading strategy, but it will be within the risk limits, the risk framework, the capital framework, everything else, which is driven by our classic models. Hmm. I don't think we're at the point where we can argue that we can that we can replace the robust systems we built over decades. Um, obviously, very long, t- very long down the road that might happen. But at the moment, we operate within the risk framework given by the classic framework.
0: I see. I see. C- could you tell us a bit about the origins of these ideas? Uh, so, were you uh, uh, always a believer of data-driven models being superior or being very useful more than uh, standard finance was uh, was accepting, or were you originally skeptical of? Uh, uh, parametric models, classic parametric
1: models? It's a, it's a very good question. Um, It's a split history in mine. So I actually, when I did my uh, Masters and my PhD, I studied under Hans Firme and uh, uh, Alexander Schied and they focused a lot on effectively hedging in incomplete markets. I have to say at the time I didn't quite see the point. So I wrote a PhD on variance curve modeling, very Mm -hmm. classic complete market. But then at the end of my PhD, I wanted to know, does it work? Hmm. So does it give me performant hedging performance? And that's probably the first time I started looking into, okay, when I now construct the hedging basket, does the model I just wrote using classic statistics actually work? And it kind of did. And that's if, I mean, if you want where this whole thing started thinking, okay, maybe, maybe we should start from, does it work? make that drive our modeling decisions rather than the other way around.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh so let, let's talk about um uh, machine learning or data driven models more in general. Uh, what other uses of deep learning do you see in the future in finance? Uh, that now are not are not already revealed, I say?
1: I think uh finance if you want um complex finance financial products have a lot of opportunities for data in general. I think that a lot of the things we do have not that much data in the end. So meaning that there are a number of transactions, the number of clients and so on are limited. So I think the first application of this type of methods is to build more simulators
0: mm-hmm.
1: of market conditions, of how clients behave and so on. So, and then we can try to train higher order models upon them. And so in a sense that also what happened to deep hedging, we don't have enough data to just run deep hedging on historical data. Hmm. So we've built a simulator and that is a very active area of research, not just in my team, but in general in J.P. Morgan as well.
0: I see. L- let's have a look at another branch of machine learning, which is reinforcement learning. Um, you, uh, I suppose, you are familiar with the work of uh, Igor Halperin and Matthew Dixon. They, they are, like you, uh, uh, b- just been awarded of the year the, for the buy side and uh, th- the reason for the award is they work on reinforcement learning applied to the wealth management problem um, i have been talking to them quite a lot and one of the things the interesting things that they told me uh, was that they believe reinforcement learning could be used for pricing options uh, which is something i, uh, I think igor Halbring actually wrote a paper about um, now, wh- what is your take on that? Uh, have you looked at this as a potential tool for option pricing? Or are you familiar with that potential
1: application? So, I mean, deep paging price is the option. So my click at option, it mm-hmm. does return a price. So in that sense, we agree with Igor and I agree. Um, uh, by the way, congratulations to the two of them for the award as well. Um, no, I really like their work. I think it's very interesting to do. Um, I, I am a big fan of using reinforcement learning to drive pricing of instruments as well as i said i think the if you want the book price will probably take a bit of time
0: okay okay and about yourself what are the the next projects uh are they related to deep hedging or or not because obviously you oversee quite a uh quite a big team at jp and uh you you have quite a few important projects that have uh, uh they use quite different technologies do you see uh, another big theme coming up in the next few months or years?
1: So I think it's a very exciting area. So um, I'm also covering sales, for example, Mm -hmm. um, and we are just building a a team in that space with also the clear ambition to work with data, but then also see how we can use modern machine learning, AI based methods there. So clearly an area of focus for us. Um, In the electronic trading space, we built something a few years back, which was also in the news. It's probably an area we would revisit Mm -hmm. as well. So that's the kind of, I think, across the board, really, those uh, methods will find more applications as our data assets mature. Okay.
0: Hans, thanks very much for uh, coming over and seeing us today. It was great talking to you. Thanks for your insights. Absolute pleasure. And thanks, everybody, for listening.